Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks, St. Samson, in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. felt this morning the Holy Spirit really told me really just three words to say this morning it's simply this don't lose heart that's so strong this morning don't lose heart that's the person next to you don't lose heart it's amazing there's things in life that are really out there that right there to, to cause us to lose heart let me just show you Matthew 9 verse 22 I think one of the things that is very clear in Scripture is that heart is something you can gain or something you can lose. And Jesus talks about taking heart. Scripture talks about losing heart. Every time I, see, every time I kind of see Jesus, he's always encouraging people to take heart. Have you noticed that? He never says, give up. You know, it's, it's too bad, give up. He's uh, always about encouraging people to take heart. Uh, I just love this particular scripture. We'll look at other ones. There's a guy, paralytic, can't walk. Everything in life really is against him. And Jesus doesn't say, oh, it's so bad, so difficult, just give up. You know, just give up on everything, just forget it. Look what he says to him. Matthew 9 and just verse 2. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying in the bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Those of you who've got the NIV, haven't you got the NIV? Still love you. Uh, he He actually says there, take heart. Take heart, son. I think it must have been about two, it must be about three years ago now. An amazing event took place, okay? Three years ago. Yeah, probably about two or three years ago. Where Birmingham City, I remember this. For the first time, this is true, Laurie, for the first time in ever in their history, they won a major trophy. Ever in their history, the first time they ever won, it's the first trophy they ever won, ever, ever made to everyone in their history. And I saw there grown men crying. People were hugging each other. People were just, it, the whole of the city of Birmingham were just they were there, they were standing on cars, flags were waving, people were crying, hugging each other. It was sort of quite a, a momentous event. There's almost this sense of, of oneness of heart right there. People took heart from that. Three years down the line, you don't talk to Birmingham fans about football very much now. If they do, you tend to want to change the subject. Or you say, isn't it a lovely day, and you change the subject, because there's no heart there. And often in life, I think that things can happen that cause us to lose heart. 
Jesus says, be of good cheer. He was giving this man heart. Because when you lose heart, your heart becomes deplenished. Your heart becomes diminished. The truth is, it's very hard to be productive. It's very hard to be effective in life when your heart's not really in it. Have you noticed that? It's very hard to to be effective and do something for God when your heart's not really in it. When you're half-hearted about something. When your heart's not really in something, you can't really be productive in that which your heart is not in. Isn't that true? Ever try to do something and you're kind of half-hearted about it, your heart really isn't in it? Many years ago, believe it or not, when I did used to play football, when we used to play it, it was just a, one of the things that the coach always used to say, particularly off time when you were losing, he'd say, look, put your heart in it. You know, get your heart, put your heart, go for it. You know, put your heart in it. Because any football coach or any sports coach will recognize this. If someone's heart is not in what they're doing, they're never actually going to be effective. That game will not be won. That game will be lost unless people's hearts are really in it. And I think it's true when we do things for God. If our hearts aren't really in it, it's not going to be productive. It's not going to produce anything. And so Jesus says, don't lose heart. Because if you lose heart over one area of your life, it tends to spill over into other areas of your life. It's very hard to to lose heart over one thing, and then expect to have heart for other things. And Jesus says, don't Lose heart. I think that's such a vital thing this morning. And that's the word of the Lord to you this morning. That whatever is going on in life, what are you to do? Don't, what? Lose heart. There's certain things that can cause us to lose heart. Here's the first thing I think causes us to lose heart. When people... Look through somebody else's perspective. When we start listening to the wrong voices, when other people's perspective on our situation, and they begin to speak to us and talk to us from their perspective on it, it often will cause people to lose heart. I see people lose heart because they've listened to wrong voices. Because other people have put doubts and and, and, and have spoken against what they're hoping to do for God. And because they've listened to the voices, they've listened to what other people have said to them, listened to other people's perspective on their life, the result is they lose heart. Let me just give you, I think, a great scripture example. Deuteronomy 1, verse 28. Here is a situation, and... God gave the people amazing promises. but They listened to the wrong voices. They listened to wrong perspectives. And because they listened to wrong perspectives, they lost the dream. They lost the destiny. They lost the purpose. I've seen that happen so much. People have an incredible dream that God pours into their hearts. And and people begin to put doubts in their minds and cause them to question that. And they begin to lose the perspective. And they begin to what? Lose Heart. Deuteronomy 1, verse 28. 
Where can we go up, our brethren, have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we have seen the sons of Ancrum there. Then I said to you, Don't be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you, according to all that he did for you, in Egypt before your eyes. In the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son, in all the way that you, until you came to this place, yet for all that you did not believe the Lord your God. You see that? He allowed other people to talk them out of the destiny and the call and the purpose of God for their life. And can I encourage you not to worry about what people say. I think when it comes to the call of God on your life, don't be worried what they say and don't be worried by the perceptions of others. Don't allow it to cause you to lose heart because God wants to give you heart. He doesn't want your heart to become disheartened. So keep away from the wrong voices, the discouraging voices that would sap your heart. I think there's so many people who have lost it because they allowed other people to talk them out of the destiny of the prophetic word of the dream that God put on their hearts. It's amazing that that these people talk a whole nation, if you like, out of an incredible destiny for their lives. And it's amazing when you read it, how exaggerated it was. Have you noticed that when people discourage you, they exaggerate the situation? They were saying, these people are so tall. These people are so huge. And the more these people talked, the weaker they felt and the greater the other people seemed. The smaller they felt, the greater the circumstances felt. Everybody else seemed to be stronger and taller. As you read that carefully through, the ancients built amazing buildings, but they never built buildings that reached the sky. I only realize that. And they're saying they built, their buildings are so high, they actually reach the sky. They're so awesome, so amazing, so great. In other words, often the, the way people talk to you and, and give you a wrong perception is they exaggerate the problem and the circumstances that are against you. They make the problem seem so much bigger. Have you been there? And people talk to you and say, oh, oh that looks so hard, that looks so difficult. And, oh, I know somebody else who did that and it, it failed for them and they, it, it was a terrible disaster for them. And, and the more and more they exaggerate it and make it seem so big and so huge, your heart becomes so discouraged. What you thought was an amazing word from God. What you thought was an amazing promise. What you thought was an amazing dream, an amazing destiny, just seems so far beyond your reach. Because you allowed someone to give you a wrong perspective on what you were facing. Here's the second way I think we can lose heart. Is that when we allow circumstances that are conspiring to become too big. They become so big in our minds, we get overwhelmed by them. People can get disappointed. People can get disillusioned. And they start to lose heart because the problem and the circumstances just seem so big. When God told the children of Israel to go into the promised land, he never told them there wouldn't be giants. Is that right? 
He didn't tell them there wouldn't be opposition. He didn't tell them there wouldn't be difficulties. And that's the same with you. When God gave you that word, when God gave you that promise, when God gave you that prophetic word, he did not say there wouldn't be any opposition to it. Is that right? He didn't tell you you wouldn't have any problems. Someone said to me, that when you see giants in the land, that doesn't mean you shouldn't go into the land. That means you're right near the land. <laughs> Often I found this. The bigger the problem, the nearer you are to the, to the solution. Amen? And so God says this morning, don't be discouraged. Look at this great verse. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. I love David. I mean, love David. He had so many reasons and opportunities to lose heart. I love what he said to, to Saul. Here's Saul. He's the king. And David says to Saul, I love it, verse 32. Let no man's heart fail because of him. He's talking about Goliath. Your servant will go and will fight with this Philistine. You know what he's saying? He knew that the people were looking at the size of the opposition, the challenge, things that were against them, things that would cause them to lose heart. And he's saying, don't look at that. He says, take heart. It's not the will of God for you to lose heart, but to take heart. That's why praise and worship is so important. You know, praise and worship put your heart in. Have you noticed that? Sometimes you can feel overwhelmed, discouraged. But as you start worshipping, as you start praising, it's as if God puts heart in you. That's why I believe with all my heart the power of speaking in tongues. And I tell you why I believe in the power of speaking in tongues. No, I believe that. It edifies you. It builds you up. He who prays in an unknown tongue edifies. It recharges your batteries. It builds you up. And we need, to, we need to learn to find things that build us up, that strengthen us, that empower us, that help us to face the circumstances of life, to face the challenges of life, and know that our God is greater and bigger than them. So we've got to get that into our hearts, get that into our spirits. There's a third thing, I think, that can cause us to lose our heart. And it's quite an obvious one, really. People could be fearful, I use this word, of what is going on in the land. You only have to watch the news. You know, how many watch the news and say, I feel so encouraged after watching the news. I feel so blessed. You know, it's amazing. You could have 25 minutes of absolute depressing news and just at the end they give you a, a two-second glip of, of something good has happened. And almost we can get fearful of what's in the land, of what's going on around us, of all the stuff that's going on that, the, the violence, the economy, all these things. What we call often evening news. And people can freeze because they're no longer looking to God, no longer believing God, and they get overwhelmed by, if you like, the, the state of the condition of the land. People can be affected by it. And Joseph, though he had seasons of plenty, he also had seasons of challenge. But the one thing that did not change in all that he faced was his belief in God. He believed no matter how hard or how difficult, how big the challenge, he believed that God could bring him through. Amen. Look at Jeremiah 51, verse 46. Jeremiah 
This is a verse that maybe we're not necessarily familiar with, but what a powerful verse. Jeremiah 51. God speaking about Babylon. How he's about to judge and bring destruction on that city. In verse 46, he, he says something very interesting. He's speaking to the people of God in the midst of a, a real, real difficult, destructive situation. But this is what he says to the people of God in the midst of that. Unless your heart faints and you, and you fear for the rumor that will be heard in the land, a rumor will come one year, and after that, in another year, a room will come of violence in that hand, ruler against ruler. He's saying all kinds of rumors and, and negative things are going to come. But he says, listen, he says, don't be swayed by the rumors. Don't be swayed about the negative things that you see around you. Trust in God. Let your faith be in God rather than what's around you. How many found this? There's no recession in heaven. Isn't that good? How many are glad there's no recession in heaven? God's not saying, sorry guys, I can't send the angels around this week. It's, it's, I'm having a real tough time this year in heaven, so there's not going to be enough angels around. Sorry about that. Uh, I've, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I'm doing at the moment, so I'm a bit, there's a bit of a problem in heaven at the moment. There's no economic, no recession, no lack in heaven. Aren't you glad about that? And so God says, don't allow the rumors of the land to cause you to lose heart. Keep believing in God regardless of what is going on around you. There will be many rumors in these days. I mean, all the time there's rumors going on and rumors about this, rumors about that. He says, don't listen to the rumors, but believe that God is the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. Amen. There's the next thing that can cause us to lose heart. I think when we go through the mechanics of serving Jesus and we don't keep our eyes on who we're serving. We just do it, you know, we go through all the mechanics, all the outward things, and we lose sight of who we're doing it for. We don't look at really the focus of what we're really doing it all about. I think that's what happens to a lot of people. They lose the focus of why they're doing it in the first place. It's all about Jesus. Amen? Is that right? We're all about Jesus. And look what it says in Hebrews 12, verse 3. This is, Hebrews is written to a people that are under pressure. And he wants to remind them of really the essence. We can lose, we can start off in the right way, then just lose sight of what the whole thing's about in the first place. I think in ministry that's so easy to happen. We get so busy doing this, doing that. And we lose sight of really what it's all about in the, in the long run anyway. It's all about Jesus, amen? And this is what the Hebrew, the writer to the Hebrews tells us. Look at verse 2. Looking on to who? Jesus. Author, finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, who endured such hostility for his sins against himself, notice this, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. That's what he's saying. He says, if you don't consider and keep your eyes on Jesus, you're going to become weary and you're going to become discouraged. If you lose sight of what it's all about, 
If you lose sight of the focus, if you lose sight of what everything's all about, what we're doing it for, then we're going to get weary and we're going to get discouraged. If you just consider things, if you just consider things, if you just consider all the outward things and you lose your sight of Jesus, you're going to become weary. Keep your eyes on Jesus. We found this, that when you keep your eyes on Jesus, the work and the things that you do for him no longer become a labor and no longer become weary. The moment you become weary, the moment that you're doing something for Jesus and it seems such a labor and it seems such weariness, I would encourage you to re-examine who your eyes are focused on. Keep your eyes on Jesus. How many realize it's, it's him we're doing it for in the first place anyway, is that right? It's him we're doing it for. And he says, just keep on fire. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't become weary. Remember he endured so much for you, and so it becomes a joy and an honor to serve him. The moment is no longer a joy. The moment is no longer an honor to serve him. The whole thing becomes overwhelming, discouraging, weary. Because your heart's not focused on Jesus. David says, don't lose heart because of the Philistine. In other words, when you lose heart... You give opportunity to the enemy. Have you thought about that? The moment you take your eyes off Jesus, become weary and overwhelmed, then you give an opening for the enemy to come. The enemy operates in weariness and tiredness and when we're worn down. Is that right? That's where he's more effective than any other time in our life. That's when, when he sees an opportunity. When you're weary, when you're discouraged, when you're down. And the Bible says, make sure you're not in that position, because the moment you're in that position of you're losing heart, then it's an opportunity for the enemy to come. And he begins to discourage you further, begins to wear you down further, begins to push you down further. And David says, don't lose heart because of the Philistine. Don't give the enemy an opportunity by losing heart. And you say, I'm not going to lose heart. Let me encourage you how to really do that. And I love this scripture, Isaiah 7. And let me just bring it all, feel like, let's kind of land the plane, if I can put it that way. I said that on Thursday. Oh, I was so glad when it did land. Anyway, Isaiah 7. Here Isaiah is trying to encourage a king. He's become discouraged because there's two nations that are conspiring together to overthrow them. This king is a king called Hayaz. He wasn't a good king, but he always had trouble in trusting God. He struggled in really trusting God. And so Isaiah comes to, to, to encourage him. And in verse 2, we see in verse 2, he, he speaks of, he uh, says, and he was told to the house of David, saying, serious forces are, are deployed in Ephraim. So notice, so his heart and the heart of the people were moved. As trees of the woods are moved with the wind. They were just moved and, and overwhelmed by all the, the discouragement, by all that was happening. Their hearts were moved and overwhelmed by it. 
And so, I, and in verse 3, Isaiah starts to encourage him. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, go to meet Ahaz and Sherub, your son, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool of the highway to the fullest field. Say to him, take heed, be quiet, do not fear or be faint-hearted. For these, I love this, you think these are two massive nations. This is the art of God. He says, they are two stubs of smoking firebrands. For the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Ramath. So Isaiah is encouraging him. And in verse 7 he says, Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. In other words, God says to him, Don't let your heart be shaken. Don't let your heart be moved. Don't lose hearts. And there's his counsel. There's the first way to deal with it. Verse 4. Take heed, be quiet. In other words, guard your heart. Keep your heart calm. When you start to lose perspective, when on the inside you're losing perception, he says, guard your heart. Don't allow your heart to become full of anxiety and and, and to lose heart. Paul says, I don't lose heart. My outward man is perishing. How many have found that? The outward man, the hair loss, few wrinkles here and there. You're aware that the outward man, I see it every day, but I remind myself, though, the outward man is perishing, the inward man is getting stronger by the day. Amen? The inward man is getting built up and strengthened. He's getting more beautiful, more strong, and more powerful day by day. Though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. In other words, guard your, your life with God. It's important that you, you guard your heart, that, that, that you, 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 you make sure you are allowing your, your inward man, your spiritual life, and all that God has deposited in your life to grow and to be renewed. Because David says to his soul, why are you so disquieted within you? Why are What's happening to you? I've got to stir up my soul. I've got to stir up my spirit. I've got to make sure that I keep my peace. That that I don't allow my emotions to overwhelm me. I don't allow my feelings to overwhelm me. I don't allow my circumstances to overwhelm me. I think people lose heart because they allow their feelings and their circumstances to rule and dictate their life. And you've got to guard your heart against what you're feeling, against what your circumstances say. You've got to guard your heart and not allow your heart to lose heart. I think we've got to... I found this, uh, your daily devotion, if you like, isn't legalism, it's food. My time in the Word isn't me being legalistic. I need it desperately, it's food, because it builds up my inner man. It strengthens my inner man. I've got to strengthen my inner man daily. I've got to get God's word. I've, I've got to get his spirit working in my life. I've got to spend time in his presence. I've got to make sure my time with God is priority in my life because that's the only way I'm going to guard my heart from being overwhelmed and discouraged. Getting God's word in your heart. Spending time in God's presence. Making sure that you're spiritually, you're strong. 
So when, so you are guarding your heart when circumstances and things conspire against you. Here's the next thing. He says in verse 11, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask either in the depth or in the height above. In other words, get a word from God. He's going to see. He's saying, ask God for something extravagant. I love what the message says about that. He says, ask God for the moon. Now, lovely. Be extravagant. Ask God for the moon. Isn't it interesting? When you lose heart, you no longer believe God for great things. And he says, ask God for a sign. Be outrageous in what you ask God for. Let it be something outrageous with your faith. Get a word from God and believe God for something amazing and something extraordinary. Something outrageous. Believe God for a miracle. Every day believe for your miracle. Don't lose sight that God is a miracle working God. Continue believing and asking him for great and mighty things. Here is Aza's problem. He never had the courage, never had the faith, had so lost heart, it caused him to live a limited life of expectation. When you lose your expectation, you lose heart. And so we need to keep our expectation high. When was the last time you asked God for something outrageous? When was the last time you asked God for some, some miraculous thing to happen in your life? I think that's what stirs faith. That's what keeps you going. That's what keeps the heart growing and expanding. By believing God. And I would encourage you to lift the level of your belief. Let the Lord work in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your job, in your body. And just continue to be believing for miracles all the time. Never lose sight of that. I think we get to the point where we get live a life of, of such reason. Such a low level of expectancy, it's almost we don't need God. When was the last time you believed for something that was outside of your own ability and power? That's what you need to do all the time. So your expectancy and your belief for the miracle opens up for God to do something amazing. We've got to get a word from God for those situations. I believe we'd open our eyes and say, God speak. Speak your word into my life. Show me. Give me a word that that I can expect you for. Some miracle. Something that you want to do. Give me a word over that situation. That crisis I'm facing. Give me a word over it, God. That that can turn it around. That that can bring you into it, God. I think part of getting expectation is letting God speak his word every moment into your life. That's raised it. Everybody know when you get a word from God, it changes everything. Is that right? That word just changes everything in you. I love that song, just one touch from the Lord. Changes everything, is that right? And there's the last thing. So much more I can say that, but time's going. How many realize he's able to do even more exceedingly abundantly what you ask or think? Verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will shall conceive the heart of a son She shall call his name Emmanuel. In other words, God 
with you. Now let me close, but let me bring this together in a, in a way that connects with this verse. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 1. This is powerful, this verse, connected to this. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we don't lose hope. Let's see what he's saying. Emmanuel, God with us. The reason why we can lose heart is we lose our consciousness that God is with us. God is right there with us. We lose sight of who God is. And Paul says, I don't lose heart because I'm continually focused that God is a God of mercy. I realize I don't earn it or don't deserve it, but my heart, if you like, is, is, is dependent on the fact of the mercy of God. And I don't lose heart because I know God's merciful. Even when I mess up, even when I make mistakes, I don't lose sight of the fact God is still merciful and he's still with me in that situation. This is what David said. That I would have fainted. I would have given up if I didn't believe in the goodness of the Lord. And I think that's true in my own life. I think I would have probably given up long ago if I didn't believe that God was a good God. If I didn't believe in his mercy, if I didn't believe in his goodness, and the moment you lose sight that God is good and merciful, I tell you the result will be that you'll lose heart. Because you think it will be all about you and dependent on your own righteousness. But when you realize how good God really is, he's really good. He's amazingly good, amazingly merciful. Where you've messed up, where you've failed, if you would just come and recognize the power of the mercy and the goodness of God, it will cause your heart to rise up again. And you know how overwhelming. Even maybe you found yourself in situations there because of your own bad choices and your own bad mistakes, but something in you says, God, you're merciful. And I'm throwing myself upon your mercy. But says, it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. You realize he's so good and so merciful. How could I live in such a way when God is so good and so merciful? And so I believe in his goodness and his mercy. And begin to develop a God consciousness. Be constantly aware that God is with you. How can you lose heart if God is with you? Is that right? If I know God's with me, then how can I lose heart? It's when I lose sight that he's with me. When I lose that conscious awareness that he's with me, I lose heart. And so Jesus says, be of good cheer. Come on, cheer yourself up. You've been miserable, start cheering yourself up. Start lifting yourself up. Get out your discouragement, get out your depression, start cheering yourself up. So I'm with you. And I'm merciful, I'm good. And when people took heart, you know what took place? I love when people took heart with Jesus. The power of the past was broken. People were healed. Because Jesus says, take heart. He said, I'm coming with miracles. I'm coming with power. I'm coming in love. I'm coming in goodness. I'm coming in mercy. What area tonight, this morning, have you been losing heart? You know what I found? That once God has put something in your heart, 
nothing can stop it. I just know that. That once you get a word from God, once you become aware of his mercy and his goodness, that nothing in all the world can stop it happening. So, take heart. And I close by saying, I think this, that we insult God when we do things half-hearted. I think it's an insult to God. If I worship half-heartedly, if I minister with a half-heart, if I pray with a half-heart, if I give with a half-heart, I think it was the great uh, Edwards, uh, yeah, Edwards, I forget his first name now, but uh, Jonathan Edwards, I was on my one, yeah, Jonathan Edwards. He he, He wrote a book on the passion of God. And he says the greatest sin in the church today, and he's talking two or three hundred years ago, was the people doing things with half-heartedness. Their heart not really in it. I don't think Jesus wants to be like that. How many for that? He wants you to do it with a full heart. You're worshipping with a full heart. You're serving with a full heart. You spend time with a full heart. You're serving with a full heart. Everything you do, you just kind of put your heart in it. And I guarantee if you do, the wonderful power of God and presence of God will be in it. And here's the word this one. Where have you lost heart? Where has something made you discouraged? Jesus says this morning, be of good cheer. Take heart. I am with you. Let's just stand right now. Let's just come into his presence. I mean, just lift your heart to heaven right now. And the Lord says this morning, don't lose heart. Don't lose it. Jesus came to the church in Laodicea and his word really wisdom was this. You have lost heart. That's why you become half-hearted. You become lukewarm. You become half-hearted about your devotion to Jesus. And he says, get it back. Says the church of Ephesus, get back to the first love. The passion, the fire, the, the love. Get your heart back. Put your heart fully in what you're doing. In serving me. Thank you.